Thank you everyone for joining us today for a roundtable discussion with SDM and Security Magazine's uh, uh, State and Local Government Security. Um, and we are very happy to have several end users and system integrators on the line today for this, this call. Um, I'd like to start with um, asking you to introduce yourself. Um, first, uh, Todd Best. I'm Todd Best. I'm uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm with the Metropolitan Government of Nashville and Davidson County. Uh, I'm the Security Manager for General Services, so I'm responsible for uh, security for all of the, the sites that General Services manages throughout the city. Great. Thank you. And Dean Sidlowski? Hi. Uh, Dean Sidlowski, the Director of Corporate Security at the City of Edmonton in Alberta. Uh, my area of responsibility would be for the security of over 11,000 employees, and I believe we're up to about 400 city facilities at this point. Okay, thank you. And Kirk Simmons from up in Hennepin County, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kirk Simmons, I'm the uh, security manager for Hennepin County, and uh, for those that don't know, Hennepin County is the largest and most populous county in Minnesota, and I'm responsible for all the uh, basic security services as well as the uh, uh, security and uh, weapon screening for the uh, court facilities and the uh, security for all of the uh, libraries. Okay, thank you. And Red Robitus. Hi, I'm Red Robitus. I'm the security manager. That's all right. <laughs> I'm <a laughs> security manager for the city of Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, sure. We are the largest city uh, north of Boston, since most people don't know where New Hampshire exists. Uh, we're the <laughs> largest city north of Boston. Uh, we have about 100 facilities and over 3,000 city employees. My responsibility is the physical security for the school district as well as the municipal complexes. Okay. okay. And I think I forgot to introduce myself there. I'm Diane Ritchie. I'm the editor of Security Magazine. We also have on the line Laura Stepanek. She is the editor of SDM Magazine. And um, if, at this time, if we could ask our system integrators to introduce themselves, starting sure. With, um, oh, go ahead. Th oh, sorry, thanks, Diane. Um, I'm Laura Stepanek, and um, let's have Andre introduce himself first from Johnson Controls. Sure. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Andre Greco, and I'm with Johnson Controls. I'm the director of sales for our security and fire business in North America, and I've been the uh, in the integration business for 22 years. Wow, thank you. And next, uh, Vincent from Convergent Technologies. Yes, hello. My name is Vince Piao. I'm with Convergent Technologies, and we are National Systems Integrator. I'm based in our Washington, D.C. office, focused on federal, state, and local government uh, business development for the company. Thank you. And last but not least, Troy from Siemens. My name is Troy Connors. I'm a business development manager for our federal and government sales for Siemens Building Technologies, and uh, been with the company into my ninth year. Okay, thank you. Okay, good. Well, we'd like to get started. Um, the first question that I'm going to pose goes directly to um, the end users. So if we could start with Todd. Uh, the question is, uh, what's, what's your primary mission? And if you could also explain some of the unique needs that are specific to your sector, the public sector, versus uh, versus your counterparts in, in private sector security? Uh, you know, I, I think we're probably pretty similar to our private counterparts in the, you know, the general ways that we go about, you know, protecting people and, and property. We all focus on our securing our employees, our visitors, executives, and so forth. But, 
I think because we in the public sector answer directly to our citizens, we always have to be ready to show the immediate, um, you know, tangible benefits of our decision. Um, you know, I can make a good argument to support buying some new technology, but every citizen has a right to ask how to improve their life. And if there was some, you know, less expensive or more efficient way to get the same result, um, you know, public scrutiny is just, it's a daily part of our business. So, you know, our needs have to be well-defined and our budgets have to be strict because we're just, we're wide open. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. What about you, Dean? Do you have those same types of challenges? Actually, I, I was going to say that's that's pretty uh, pretty decent answer that he uh, provided there. I was going to uh, answer along the same lines. I think that we are very similar to our counterparts in the private industry. Um, we our primary mission at the City of Edmonton is protecting corporate assets and, and making sure that we uh, mitigate any risks against our employees and, and the citizens of Edmonton. Um, but we do, we have probably many more bosses in, in the public sector than maybe the private, uh, which might just be answering to a board of governors or a board of directors of some sort. But we, uh, we have our own uh, peers and our own bosses that we answer to, but we also have city council uh, that plays a huge role in making decisions and prioritizing the funding that we have to uh, implement our programs. And then we have the public, and uh, they usually are the ones who make the final decisions for us, especially when something uh, goes amok. So uh, I, I would definitely agree with the previous answer, and, and I think that we just have uh, many more bosses than they may have in the private sector. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what about you, sir? Well, I, I kind of mirror on the same thing with, with most folks. The only thing I see differently about my particular situation is organizationally we're, we're kind of run differently than a lot of other government agencies in that each individual department, uh, they have a department director and they consider that department director to be like the COO of their own uh, operating group. So for us uniquely, we typically have to tailor our programs to meet the needs of that particular COO, you know, for the department. So, you know, for an example, we have like 12 or 14 of them spread throughout the, the county, not including the library board and, and this, that, the other thing. So it makes it especially challenging for us to, um, you know, maintain the economy by being able to provide services, security services from one centralized outlet, but still meet the needs of each specialized department. So I, I think I haven't run across, I had been in the private sector for like 27 years before, and I, I haven't run into this kind of a situation before. So it's kind of kind of unique in its application. Okay. Okay. And then what about you, Red? We run across these similar challenges as we do in the private sector. I mean, obviously, we're out there to protect our, you know, our, our customers and our properties. Uh, and we're structured very much like a lot of the municipalities and, and government agencies. We have governing bodies. Uh, some of the challenges within our governing bodies is we have the school district and we have uh, which are the Board of School Committee members, and we have the Board of Mayor and Aldermen. Each one of those are 14 elected positions, uh, and they're really independent of one another. So it brings on challenges when you're trying to uh, put something in place to meet everyone's needs, but that everyone's operating off the same platforms and the same plateau so that we don't have independent organizations out there. Uh, likewise, I think like many of the government sector versus the private sector challenges is many of our facilities are open to the public. Uh, mm-hmm. So some of the you know some of the uh, equipment we may contemplate putting in places uh, 
because of the type of systems we operate, we're so open to the public, have to be non-intrusive and uh, they have to be uh, aesthetically pleasing and quite basically many times people cannot even be aware of them, not that they're covert in any nature, but they just have to blend in with the scenery. Uh, Funding sources goes right along those lines as well. It's uh, security, and I think this is a challenge we all face, is always basically regarded as a necessary evil. And with the limited number of dollars that are out there, it's sometimes difficult to show return on investment uh, because it's it's not an investment where you're actually going to put dollars and cents in and say we're going to get you know five percent back on our dollars ten percent back on our dollars so that's that's a challenge as well okay well we're going to uh follow up on some of that funding information that you all shared in a little bit but i do want to um we're very fortunate to have some system integrators on the call and i do want to be able to pose the next question to them laura would you like to ask Yes, thank you. Um, Okay, so for the integrators, would you please describe the types of opportunities that you're seeing that are currently available as a security systems integrator in the state and local government sectors? And we'll start with Andre from Johnson Controls. Well, thank you. And I think that the biggest opportunity we have from a, a systems integrator perspective is to be able to simultaneously increase the level of security in state and local government and also help them to drive down their operational costs. What we see all too often as buildings get built and as independent decisions get made via the bid process 15, 20, 25 years down the road, governments end up in a situation where they have a tremendous amount of disparate systems, uh, a lot of uh, different applications on different platforms, nothing communicating together which really drives the operational cost relative to providing protection to municipal buildings or to the school district. Um, as, a, as a former chairman of a board of education in the state of Connecticut, it would have been great if we had had the ability to be able to consolidate all of the multiple systems we had onto a single point uh, so that we could more efficiently and more proactively respond to alarms that were happening in the community and we were able to put forth a a proactive effort relative to the types of response that we've done. So I think that that from that perspective, that's what what we really see in the market is uh, is driving the the types of opportunities that are out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. And now let's hear from Vince at Convergent Technologies. Yes, well, we have a lot of opportunities throughout U.S. and Canada with the state and local government in particular. Um, these include access control and video surveillance for local municipalities, everything from citywide surveillance, schools and universities, and ports we're finding in particular. Uh, we also find that there's a lot of interest in integration between disparate systems and also increasing collaboration between agencies and departments, such as police departments and schools wanting to be able to share video feeds. We're, we're hearing a lot of uh, interest in that regard. And we're finding that it's particularly important in the state and local government sectors to work with the end user early in the process to help design and develop the solutions, and then also provide budgeting and contracting guidance, because that's particularly what's uh, maybe some of the challenges that are faced. Um, So we really need to look at everything from start to finish. All right. Thank you. And uh, Troy from Siemens, would you please share um, your perspective on opportunities that are available as as an integrator? Yeah, to echo the other sentiments, it's really as a a multiple system uh, integrator, 
is where we we're really seeing the opportunities as these disparate systems want to merge together or as the operators want to merge them together as well as you know w one of the things that we work very well with is the public private partnerships that a lot of the municipalities state and local governments uh, they work the, the partnerships where there's some critical environments within their regions or within their local municipality that the, the systems have to collaborate talking to whether it's the police or fire or um, you know both the private and public sector systems there, there there's much more collaboration today so we have to be involved at every level of that collaboration including up front in the risk analysis so as an integrator it's just company-wide it's more leveraging not only our disparate systems but the different entities that are all touching these systems today. Troy, thank you. And uh, I'll turn it back over to Diane at this point. Okay. I wanted to just quickly follow up on some of the funding things. I know all of the end users on the line addressed funding, but I was hoping that each one of you could, um, as much as you're comfortable with, discuss some of the, the specific sources of funding that you have um, and of course, as we know, there's, they're not funding is never easy to get. So, also, you know, address maybe some creative ways that you've been able to secure some funding for some some new security projects or perhaps some upgrades. Um, and we'll start back with uh, with Todd. Sure. You know, we we've had some real hard budget challenges the last two years to meet our mayor's reductions across every department uh, both years. Um, and the flood in Nashville last year, you know, added to, you know, what was already a tough planning process. Um, our, our organization has a lot of respect for security. I'll give them that. And uh, the expectations are high, you know, in every department. And, you know, it won't take long to weed out, you know, wasteful spending in an environment where, you know, layoffs can happen and budgets impact the entire community. Uh, we, have to, we have to show our impact and keep our goals in line with the operations that we serve if, you know, if we expect to get the funding we need. So that's, that's where I focus on is just showing the impact and making sure that our goals are in line with, uh, with everybody else's. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, and what about you, Dean? Well, um, our... Uh, structure in, in Edmonton is that of uh, there's six different departments and uh, the way we uh, we're more security provide security advice and consultation uh, to those departments and uh, they're the ones that are responsible for the budgets of the projects so uh, I'm sure that they have some creative ways that they may secure funding but from our perspective our job and it's been touched on a little bit already is uh, in the risk analysis uh, phase we, we really need to sell our recommendations to those departments and uh, make sure that we identify what the impact is and what the probability of events and their severity are uh, to make sure that we're getting the right people to listen. And um, the challenge that we have is you have six different departments and every one of them is kind of operating for their own. But we've uh, since moved more to a, a one-city approach this year. We have a new city manager and he uh, really wants us to operate as one and uh, 
that's now our job in security to make sure that we're prioritizing those projects for all six departments. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it is working quite well, actually, uh, in the grand scheme of things, so that one department isn't getting something that uh, another department absolutely needs where, where the original department didn't so much. So um, some of the, the, I guess, the creative ways, uh, for, for an example, in, in transit, uh, there's federal funding that's been awarded to a lot of the different transit agencies across Canada, and we've leveraged that to uh, enhance our transit security on both our light rail transit system and on our buses. So uh, we definitely look for those types of opportunities. There was already some talk about some private versus public uh, spending ventures and uh, we're starting to see those a little bit more now uh, mm-hmm. so uh, those are some of the types of things that we may leverage okay okay and what about you Kirk you have such a large uh, area um, but considering yeah. that Hennepin County yeah you know, for us it's really been about the real judicious use of technology you know I we've we've been facing double-digit um, budget reductions the past three years, and this year really wasn't any different. Well, this year I think it was only like 5.5%. So when they came to me this year, it was kind of like, oh, only 5%? Yeah, that's fantastic. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's for us it's really been about using technology in such a way that if, as long as, I mean, they're not, the county's not afraid to make the sizable investment in technology, and as long as I can show that we either can maintain headcount or reduce headcount. You know, and a good example of that was we just installed um, uh, security turnstiles on our exits, and we used to have people that used to, because it's a weapon-secure facility, we used to have people that would sit there, and I was able, I mean, it was a pretty sizable investment. It was like uh, over $500,000 to put these turnstiles in. But I was able to show that we are going to be able to reduce headcount by, you know, uh, four people. Um, they weren't afraid to spend the money. I mean, it was just like, you know, how fast can you get these things in there? Mm-hmm. So worked out very well. So just that kind of use technology, you know, across the county, as long as they can either maintain or reduce, you know, the headcount by using the technology, that seems to be kind of be my ticket at this point. Yeah. Well, that was a very innovative way of going about that. And, and Red, can you touch on some of this? Certainly. You know, like, like most folks, you know, the funding is, is a challenge year after year. We've uh, had to rely on being creative, like everyone else, and where we find most of our funding sources, some of our municipal funding has been rather limited, uh, straightforward. Uh, and usually when we do get some money, they, we usually get it through uh, new construction of buildings or renovations of existing buildings or facilities that we have. Uh, we do usually get some community improvement program uh, funding periodically if it pertains citywide, uh, which is bonded money. Uh, so there's no there's not a lot of real direct dollars that comes into our account as a line item, because like someone was saying earlier, uh, all the departments pretty much handle their own line items once they have it. Uh, so they're responsible if they want to have something changed for security or repaired, to paying for something that's really that they haven't uh, planned for in advance. What's been very successful for us has been the homeland security funding. Uh, we've been pretty fortunate over the past several years to gain some substantial dollars. Uh, and uh, it's not often that you hear people say, but uh, as one of the integrators was saying before, is the continuity when you get into the bid process. 
in regards of Homeland Security, one of the questions that they have in there, which kind of holds our feet to the fire and keep us in line, uh, not that they're going to deny you funding, but on a, on a point-rated system, is they specifically asked if what you're planning on doing is compatible with everything else that you have in place. So if you say, yes, it's compatible, and that's what we've been looking to do is consistently build off that foundation so it doesn't matter if it's on the school district side or the city side, it's compatible to what we're doing. And if you're, what you're doing is not compatible, then you lose points in the funding mechanism. So that mm-hmm. kind of holds us, uh, holds us kind of like in line, again, to deal with uh, in aspects of what one of your integrators was saying, of just strictly going out to bid, always getting the lowest bid, and having a bunch of different uh, products that are sitting out there. Uh, Behind uh, behind the scenes, or not so much behind the scenes, one of our our biggest supporters, silent supporters, has been the actually has been the risk manager for the city, uh, because he actually sees the value and has seen the value based on claims uh, through our facilities that it's beneficial at times, uh, you know, for the city to be spending what they're spending. So, though they may be limited in dollars and cents on how they can help us, uh, they do help us where they can with dollars and cents, but. In the uh, in the political atmosphere, they're very supportive and see the benefit of what we're what we're trying to do. Okay, okay. I'm wondering if we could pose the next question, starting with the integrators, um, about a recent success story that relates to specific use of technology that you might have worked with a specific end user on. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let's start with Andre, please. Sure. Thanks. Uh, I think that uh, a good example is a project that uh, we just recently just deployed for the city of Plano in Texas, a good-sized community, 265,000 residents, and they had found themselves in a situation not unlike what I had uh, described when we were talking about what the potential is out there in the market. They had uh, multiple city agencies, uh, very siloed, and uh, we're looking for an opportunity to be able to integrate and manage data from many different sources into a single point of command and control, and also the means to be able to easily distribute that information out to decision makers who could act on it, and thereby creating much improved situational management. So Johnson Controls went in and, and consulted with the city and worked with them on not only a short-term implementation of a PSIM solution, but we also made sure to scale it so that as additional agencies within the city of Plano wanted to bring their data and information into that single point of command and control, they were able to. So it uh, it was really a collaborative effort, and uh, we do what we do. We went in and sat with the owners and found out what their concerns were and what their business objectives were, and we were able to to craft a solution that exactly met their needs, both short-term and Mm long-term. Very good. Thank you. And uh, Vince, do you have an example of a a recent success story? Uh, Yeah, one specific uh, recent case is uh, in the Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia area. Uh, We originally began with about a a 1,000-plus IP camera conversion for the public school system across all the schools. And they previously had standalone analog systems that were not being really monitored regularly and also uh, had fallen into um, a lack of, of, of maintenance and repair. And we were able to also tie it into existing buildings within the public works department. And uh, based on the success of that implementation and the, the platform that we were able to put in where they were able to view cameras for any one of the schools, 
we were approached by the uh, the police department, and we expanded the system so that they could use the same system and segment it for the different uses. But we installed outdoor cameras u- utilizing wireless mesh technology, and this proved to be very beneficial for them and, and resulted in numerous prosecutions and arrests. And um, and then we we further the system with uh, additional video analytics, and they are also testing uh, the integration of gunshot detection technology. So I think what made this particular uh, customer uh, or this case a, a success is really the partnership that you can see not only between the agency and, and the integrators, but also the collaboration between the different departments and how they could see that this was a, the technology was a platform for them to do things that um, perhaps they weren't able to do before. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Troy, would you like to uh, relate a recent success story? Sure. We've um, recently uh, signed a deal, and we're about to deploy it uh, with a private company in the New Jersey area. And it was a collaborative effort with the New York, New Jersey Port Authority, as well as FEMA, uh, working with this private company. And Siemens worked with this company from the very early stages, risk analysis, and to helping gain the uh, uh, the FEMA grant, and it's utilizing our video analytics software, our Site IQ software. This is a, a facility with over 600 acres to protect from a um, r- really it's a critical uh, critical facility because of the shipping channel and the lo- and the location of this facility as it relates to not only the, the Port Authority, but to other businesses in the area. And by utilizing video analytics, you know, Siemens is able to maintain the uh, operating costs that they currently have, yet uh, protect that large campus area. And really, again, to this point, it's, uh, it was an upfront working with the customer from the risk analysis stage. And on the back end, you know, we're more than just a systems integrator. We're going to be working with them on the monitoring as well as the service and maintenance afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, that's one area that we're going to talk about a little bit later is um, going beyond um, implementing the technology into all the other services that an integrator can provide. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Diane? Okay, I wanted to uh, just keep moving the discussion and, and ask the end users on the line, beginning with the end users about cloud-based security services and in a cloud-based securing the cloud, I think, has a lot of meanings, a lot of different terms. But um, I'm wondering if that's something that you and your agency um, are interested in, are looking at, maybe already have. Um, you know, is it is it a little bit more hype than than right now, or is it something that you're seriously looking at? At, at for the, the future, and if we could start back with, with Todd again. Well, I, you know, I, I saw the question on there. I, we haven't suggested it specifically yet. Um, you know, we've had uh, a few recent challenges with archiving uh, that could make it more of a focus in the future, but uh, at this point we, we haven't suggested it to our IT department for any of our uh, security systems. Okay. Okay. What about you, Dean? Yeah, it's uh, fairly new to us at the City of Edmonton as well. I know that uh, there is being some research conducted on it uh, as we speak. Um, we had some of our legal team start doing some research on it, and, and I think that uh, the preliminary research was indicating that there's a few security-related concerns as well as uh, 
protection of information concerns that uh, we may need to overcome. Uh, but we're again, we're just in the initial stages. Okay. Okay. That's 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 interesting to hear. And what about you, Kirk? Uh, not not using it at any form at, at this stage. I think we're looking at it for some of our copy machine stuff, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how about you, Red? We actually did it in one of the uh, sub-agencies to the city about a year and a half ago with one of the products, and we're looking at a product on the city side as we speak. Uh, some of the challenges, as I look at it and we discuss with our IT folks as well, is appear to be in the legal issues as well. Uh, the web-based, you know, has been around long enough that the legal aspects seem to be a little bit more solidified. As an example, in the cloud, you know, it's where is the server, which laws prevail. Uh, you know, if it's being stored in uh, uh, Wisconsin, let's say, or Minnesota, uh, do the laws of Minnesota provide uh, are applicable, or are the laws of New Hampshire? Even more so is being, being what do we start interacting between countries? Uh, the, the web-based, you know, it's, it's more localized, and those laws seem to be a little bit more firm in foundation. I think there's. Uh, issues that need to be addressed and which cannot be addressed locally, which have to be addressed uh, federally in the federal government regulations. And uh, those are some of the challenges I see. Uh, those things aren't just as crystal clear as the web-based uh, uh, intrusions of law. Huh. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, and then what about the integrators on the line? Have you been specifically working with end-users uh, end on, on implementing some cloud security? Maybe we could start with Andre. You know, we've looked into it a little bit, but uh, as you take a look at being out on the cloud, there are some some risks. And uh -huh. there are a lot of companies out there who are doing off-site storage of data, and um, some of them you know, have the appropriate credentials, uh, others do not. So for the, the end users on the phone, I would say that they're they're going down the right path in terms of having legal and risk management take a look at those those companies before they intend to use them because uh, we've run across several that just um, don't have the, the appropriate credentials to be able to secure that data in the appropriate fashion. Mm. Okay. Okay. And, and Vince from Convergent? Yeah, I would say that uh, I would echo what a lot of the concerns regarding the privacy um, issues with the cloud base, but to me, it seems like the federal government is, is, is leading the way with those efforts um, across the board from IT, but it is extended to the security uh, systems. And state and local tend to either run in parallel or follow those standards that the federal government sets. And so we're doing a lot of work with federal government agencies that are now, in a sense, mandated to, to move to the cloud-based security services. And so you know, with our um, enterprise level and IT experience, we feel pretty well positioned to, to assist with that transition, and there are certainly challenges. Um, I think the benefits of cloud-based services are pretty compelling in regards to less on-site IT maintenance, uh, less data centers, and associated space and heating, um, as, as well as cooling, um, and, um, and backup power and everything else. That equals essentially less cost. And with shrinking budgets for everyone, the return on investment is more quickly realized and I think end users can get a lot more for their funding. And, and then furthermore, not only just um, 
from a capital funding requirement, um, they can increasingly um, use cloud-based services to potentially utilize operating expenses. So, so I think the goal is that um, that you would pay for you know a per camera or per reader, um, and and so while there are these benefits that I think are out there, I, I think right now it's still in the early stages. And we as integrators need to, to not in a sense oversell the benefits, but also make sure that we take a realistic approach and make sure the customer understands the trade-offs as well as some of the, the, the technological challenges in addition to the privacy concerns. And regarding technology, I think a lot of the um, existing uh, software and uh, hardware security providers, this would require a significant shift in their architecture. And so mm -hmm. we really want to see these solutions be proven and we want to make sure that they're comfortable with the way that things are, are moving. And so we don't want to – nobody wants to be the, you know, the first to do it. And so my opinion is that I think the federal government is, is really mandating these changes. And so I, I would imagine that as we work with the federal government agencies and start to get some uh, success stories, that will quickly potentially uh, expand down to the state and local government as well. Okay. Hey, Diane. Uh, I, yeah, I, I know this is red. Yeah, I know it's off topic, uh, but if you don't mind, could I could, we, could I ask a, a question of the last integrator as Absolutely. reference because she seems to be very knowledgeable about uh, their product and what they're doing with the cloud. Uh, uh -huh. And if I could uh -huh. just pose an example, uh, say the the actual data is actually stored in China where a U.S. account, which laws become applicable to the information? Yeah. That well, question was directed to Vince. Yes. Yes, that, and that's an excellent question. And, you know, my opinion is that most likely um, that is going to be a, a very big concern. And in regards to the government, there's going to be pretty strict regulations and mandates all the way down the line, which would not only include the technology, at, say, at your desk, but also where the data is stored. And there are only going to be um, certain data center providers, um, not only the for the data, also the transmission of that data. So it's not like you're going to be able to just, um, you know, it's not going to be the same, um, I guess, looseness that you might have with your email right now that's going on the cloud. Um, there are going to be some pretty strict regulations and only a few approved um, providers that will be able to, um, to house that information. And so, you know, there's going to be a check and balance. So, you know, if I, if I had to, to, to guess, uh, your data is not going to be in China, but it's going to be in, in one of maybe three approved data centers in the, in the states and that are, are probably going to be audited and, main, and maintained and, and ensured that there's a, a security, a level of security, probably more so than if, say, that server was located on your, on your, uh, your, net, your own network. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about, sorry about that, Diane. No, 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 that's fine. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you for okay. allowing me okay. to do that. Sure, and I wanted to ask Troy the, 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 this question as well, give you a chance to answer. Well, I appreciate it. We, um, we're seeing more requests really from our commercial customers. You know, most of our customers are really taking advantage of our, uh, you know, our access and video monitoring as it currently exists. But, uh, you know, to echo Vince's response, you know, the federal government is very, very sensitive about uh, any third party accessing their networks. And there's been a lot of discussion in Washington and among the various defense agencies about how to go about certifying different firms and different technologies 
to gain access to their network. So it's our feeling that the state and local governments will follow the federal government in that regard, and we're still a little bit, uh, we have some time left to, uh, uh, to see where this is going to take us because it, it's been slow developing and, you know, it's a very sensitive um, topic for the government. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, and then also, um, just staying on uh, asking integrated questions here, um, the next, next question I want to pose to all of you is, is that on the surface it may seem as though integrators are, are only responsible for implementing technology-based security solutions, but, but what's your role beyond that? What's your role in working with government entities? Um, for example, do you, do, you, do you get into helping uh, an end user develop their, their policies, their procedures, or perhaps their plans? And um, we'll, we'll start uh, back with, with Andre from Johnson Controls. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, we, we go far beyond just uh, implementing technologies. Uh, we have a complete relationship with the end user in terms of doing site surveys and risk assessments, uh, working on designs not only for systems but for processes and policies and procedures, um, getting into budget planning, writing, reviewing specifications. And what we find the majority of the time is that the end users think they're in a situation where they have everything covered. As we start digging into very specific granular detail relative to alarm response and procedure, uh, there are some gaps. So we're certainly able to, uh, to fill in those gaps with end users and, and help them to create a full and all-encompassing security program you know, from the electronics to the integration to uh, the networking and network infrastructure that's needed all the way down to policies, procedures, and how to respond to very specific types of events. So it's, uh, it's far beyond just the implementation of technology. It's an all-encompassing relationship that we like to have. Mm -hmm. Which is, it can, not, it can only benefit the end user, obviously. Oh, without question. Especially yeah. as it relates yeah. to where they are today and right. where they where want they to be. go. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What are the steps in between to get there? Yep. Well, thank you. What about you, Vince? Yes, I think as an integrator, we, we believe it is our responsibility to work with the end user to help develop and enhance their security policy. Technology on its own is, is not a solution. You know, so before we can recommend technology, it's critical to understand the unique challenges that each end user or agency has and how we can help them address those particular issues now. And with this understanding, we can use our expertise and apply relevant technology to develop meaningful changes to the current policy and maybe see some things that, uh, that, that weren't available before um, because of that technology. And I've mentioned before just the case of um, being able to, to have the expanse, uh, increased use of IP video surveillance between mm -hmm. agencies within schools and, and, um, and other departments. And, um, and that, that enables new technology and the mobile technology where, where uh, police officers are able to see video in, in the car um, as they're uh, pulling up onto a scene. 
And, and those things are starting to give people ideas about rethinking how, how their current policy is and how they will respond. Um, you know, we really look at uh, the project and implementation as a long-term relationship. So once we've installed um, cameras and alarms, you know, we really have to work with the end user. How do you respond to now, you know, hundreds of cameras or hundreds of alarms that are coming in and, and making sure that this is a workable system that is meeting the objective, objectives that we've defined up front. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. What about you, Troy? Yeah, I alluded uh, to the fact that uh, systems integrators need to be more than just integrators today. They're they're really security partners. And from mm -hmm. the first stages of risk and the needs analysis all the way up to the, you know, service and monitoring, you know, it, it's really all-encompassing. And including in there is even helping our customers find funding mechanisms, you know, to help uh, to help fill the gap with their needs. So really it's all-encompassing and then drawing on the efficiencies of the different technologies, uh, you know, that we have and other integrators have to uh, better position our customers and, and and it was said earlier, make more efficient use of their of their maintenance and in, in, in dollars going forward. Okay. I want I want to ask and uh, the next question for our end users, um, uh, specifically if you could address cybercrime, which is it's hard to pick up a newspaper lately and and not read about some type of data breach or, or cybercrime. And and I know traditionally this has been an, an IT role, but I have heard from many readers that say it's increasingly falling under their responsibilities as well. And so I'm hoping that you can address if, uh, of what your specific role is in, in fighting cybercrime in, in, um, in your organization, uh, starting with Todd again. Thank you. Sure. And, and you're right. I know ITS takes the, takes the biggest role in that. I work real closely with our ITS department you know, to consolidate physical and, and information security. Uh, they have a really active, comprehensive security program uh, with a lot of initiatives that support, you know, law enforcement agencies locally and, you know, for the state, you know, as well as directly, you know, in the national community. Um, and my personal role is uh, it's a small part of, uh, you know, a bigger design. Uh, it's been really successful here in Nashville, though, and it's still in the early stages, uh, and they've got a lot more plans developing, but they. Uh, work directly with, uh, obviously, the police department is a part of, of our organization. So working directly with them, they, they've seen some early successes, and uh, I, I think there's just there'll be a lot more as their plans, you know, start coming about. Uh huh. Okay. What about you, Dean? Um, yeah, I, I kind of echo the same thing. We uh, do have a security IT department that looks after most of the technological stuff, but uh, I think one of the number one things that uh, my area is involved in is the awareness piece to the employees and making sure that uh, you know we're sending out tips and uh, and, and uh, examples uh, to them as well. I have uh, some certified uh, fraud trainers uh, within my area that put on cyber uh, security awareness training sessions for the uh, city of Edmonton on a yearly basis and they just love this stuff and I think maybe more so the motivation of folks to attend uh, is from their computers at home <laughs> but at, at the same time if we're delivering the messages to them to you know what to look for what not to be doing and and giving them those example cases uh, to prevent uh, the incidents from occurring down the road I think we've won half the battle um, 
So we do. We make sure we work with our IT security teams to make it, uh, to implement physical security uh, wherever necessary, and and then detecting and reporting the incidents to the Edmonton Police Service, and then facilitating, uh, you know, or assisting with an investigation, providing evidence, and then, uh, if necessary, even uh, going to court. So that's our role. Okay. Okay. What about you, Kirk? Uh, not much different than Edmonton. I mean, we have a separate uh, security area in IT, and you know, since our, you know, my area is responsible for the physical, you know, security of it. We, you know, we just maintain, you know, good communication about, you know, different issues that we may run across, or you know, if we're having uh, departments make changes in areas, you know, we provide recommendations to kind of lessen the risk of that sort of thing. So, um, you know, we also work in conjunction with. Um, our uh, uh, internal audit department as well, but that's about the extent of it. Okay, okay. Um, and who is, did we just, did that, Kirk, did I address this question to you? Sorry. Yep, yep. Okay, and, and what about you, you Red? Are you finding the same type of scenario? Very much, very much the same type. Uh, the okay. actual IT aspect belongs to our IT department. Uh, okay. More of my aspect is dealing with the employees directly, uh, sending them out information of whether it's something that it's applicable to at work or things that they can use in their private life on how to, you know, become uh, aware of some of yeah. the areas where they may become victims. That seems to have worked very well because uh, we, we, I do regularly receive information from folks of suspicious emails that they've received or suspicious phone calls, et cetera, things that they may have received. So that seems to be working well for us in that regards for as, as far as uh, an employee awareness. Yeah. But that's interesting that you say that they're, they're um, asking you for information about their, that they can use in their private life. So I think that that's interesting that they've done that. So okay, well thank you. That's it's it's good good to hear your all of your perspectives on that question. And okay, and now we're going to wrap up with the um, the ideal question: What is on your wish list in terms of technology and or other resources that would help you do your job better? Uh, this is if money were no object, <laughs> the ideal world. Um, so we'd like all of our participants to address this question um, briefly, if you would, starting with Andre. Sure, make me go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess in the, in the ideal world, some flexibility is what I would seek. Flexibility to be able to work uh, in, in a collaborative relationship with end users from state and local governments to allow the end user to be able to determine what their business objectives were for a particular project, what they were looking to accomplish, how the, the outcomes were going to be measured, and then to choose an integrator who they felt was going to be able to benefit them in the short term and in the long term so versus creating a request for a proposal and then sending it out to anyone and everyone and then having to accept uh, the, the proposal from the individual that came back with the lowest price. The, the inflexibility of that type of bid process is really detrimental to the owners on the state and local government side because 
it ends up in the long run costing them more having to deal with inconsistent, disparate, multiple different types of systems versus being able to strategically plan where they want to go with their security and, and being able to, to execute that plan in the most efficient and, and least cost manner from an overall perspective. So you know, given, given the, the opportunity, I would say that, that we're looking for more flexibility. You know, we, we want to be able to work more directly with end users, and uh, it's going to benefit all of us in the industry in the long run. So that, uh, that would be the top of my wish list. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. And uh, Vince? Uh, yes. As we discussed earlier, there's a lot of interest in the cloud-based security services. But as I mentioned, this requires a shift in the current technology architecture that's available today. And we as integrators aren't going to rush into these types of implementations without a, a proven solution that we can have absolute confidence in. And so we're really wanting to work with the, our manufacturing partners to, to help them follow into these trends. And I will mention that we are excited about this overall trend towards uh, the cloud and the web-based, and we're already seeing some benefits. Uh, for example, at Convergent, we have developed a web-based service portal for our customers, and it allows real-time updates, tracking, and reporting of all the service calls throughout the, the U.S. and Canada where we service our customers. And this is a tool that was developed specifically for our customers based on their uh, requirements and their feedback. To, uh, to us to help them or help us provide better service to them. And I think it's just as an example that demonstrates the, the, the tremendous value that we can unlock with uh, innovative web-based technology if used appropriately. Okay, thank you. And uh, Troy, what's on your wish list? Well, Siemens is, um, you know, we're, we're heading into it. We have a new division called Infrastructure in Cities where we're, we're beginning to be more proactive with our, uh, you know, with our customer base, and that means from not only a, a technology uh, level, but, but really a, a partnership level from all aspects of their business. And you know, we currently work on integrating of systems, but I, I think on my wish list, it's, it's more of a seamless integration into all of this, all the disparate systems that are out there today, and including wireless and um, real-time tracking solutions as well. Those are things that are, are we, we feel are coming, but uh, we're not we're not quite there yet. So I think integrating to multitude of systems from a security perspective uh, would be on my wish list. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thanks. Three great perspectives from the integrators. And uh, now let's hear from the um, end users. And Todd, why don't you go first? What's on your wish list? Well, I, no. I like the way to use our existing technologies better, you know, before buying more. You know, we talked about success stories in, uh, a little while ago, and we have a new CCTV system that's fairly recent uh, at a large municipal campus with a small staff, and it's, it's been a real force, uh, you know, a, a force multiplier uh, for the group. We've, uh, we've had a lot of success with it, but it's also, we've had some challenges that have been, you know, looking deeper into the technology. So. I guess the top of my wish list would be better communication with our vendors and integrators uh, so that I can get the most from the toolboxes that we have. Um, I, I guess sometimes that means they need to do more for us. Other times it means I need to do more homework uh, to better understand the technology and how to use it better. So I, I guess the top of my wish list wouldn't be just 
more technology, but just I guess I've worked more on the communication between uh, myself and and the vendors, the integrators that, that are bringing that to us. Okay, very good. Dean, you're next. Okay, I have a couple. Of, funding was on the top of my list, but uh, you said money is no object. So <laughs> I, I want to echo what I heard from one of the integrators. Uh, the seamless, cost-effective integration of systems, I think, is critical, and it's uh, uh, everybody seems to be trying to catch up right now in, in bringing all their systems together, but it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, Automation, and I, and I talk about automation when it comes to data and having just-in-time information to make good business decisions. Currently at the City of Edmonton, we do a lot of this manually. We have a database that provides us a lot of historical information that's very valuable, but I'm, I'm currently working on a tool right now that would give me daily uh, data on different threats, uh, threat analysis of sites, people, could be counselors, mayors, whatever the case may be, and I think that that's going to be critical to preventing things from occurring rather than reacting to them. Um, reliable analytics, uh, I've heard a lot of talk about analytics today, however, I have a comfort level with it yet, um, and I, I think that that's going to be something in the future that is going to be on everyone's wish list. And this might be maybe number one, but governance. And I think uh, that would be number one on my wish list that uh, make everybody is a security expert out there, especially in all of our different departments at the City of Edmonton. And uh, sometimes they go and they do their own things. And that causes problems later on, especially when you have different systems and uh, so on, different procedures and stuff like that. So I think that there does need to be an overall governing body, whether it's public or private, to uh, make sure that everybody's kind of playing from the same song sheet. Those would be my, uh, my top five. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Well said, Dean. Kirk, what's on your wish list? Well, you know, I know I'm going to make everybody sick because I get what I need here. <laughs> and I really, we really do. I mean, fortunately, we've been through the, the integration process already, so that's good. But if I mean, if I needed to, if, you know, if I had to grab out there at something, I guess I'd, I'd like an organization that was um, that had that was less decentralized. I mean, it, it, it makes it difficult for me to work in it. You know, so many different directions. Um, I, I'm not particularly thrilled with our bid process. I think we focus a lot too much on uh, low bid costs rather than best value. And I think we're our, my department that I work for, Property Services, we're starting to make some inroads towards changing that philosophy, but it, we're, we're still quite a ways out. And, and for me, I mean, I can work around it, you know, by, you know, utilizing the uh, request for proposal uh, process, but it's just very laborious you know, time intensive to, you know, design these things to kind of get around some of this uh, low bid uh, strategy and, you know, anything, any work around we could just, to do that would just be huge for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. And Red, why don't you wrap up for us and tell us what's on your wish list? Along the same lines about the seamless transition, but I'd like to look at it just a little bit differently if we could, versus the public-private sector partnership, I'd like to see a business-to-business partnerships versus proprietary products in that their platforms are more inclusionary to other products. So as we mentioned several times during the conversation, people are out on bids, and quite often once you're heading down a path, everyone develops specific products or brand names that they end up by working with. 
and you have an integrator that comes in that may me be able to meet your needs, uh, and I'll just use a couple examples, like an intrusion system that you're normally using and you have an access control system uh, that someone else would like to come in as an integrator, but they offer the intrusion as part of theirs. Now, there's always the interfacing, but versus the interfacing, I like to see more open platforms, business to business, so that these products become integrated more so. I think that would help, uh, speaking for myself as an end user, that I would have more flexibility in comparing more products that have that business-to-business relationship with more open platforms so that they could adapt accordingly. Uh, That, I believe, would open the field for all of us of having more competitiveness uh, among the, the, the products that are coming in and not throwing away everything we have because, quite frankly, we're all in the same position. Uh, we're not going to discard everything we put all our, our, our finances into over several years because someone comes in and says, this is a good product, but the other 75 facilities you have with it, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to talk to those. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to see it along those lines. Likewise, I'd like to see a seamless transitions uh, going over from analogs uh, into the IP world. Uh, I recently read that I think uh, as much as the integrators have been trying and have been selling IPs, I think 75% of the market, uh, from what I read recently again, uh, is that they're still analogs. And not only is it cost value, but I believe it's a an integration issue that's associated with it. So I'd like to see more of a seamless transition in, in going into those areas. Okay. Good. Diane, why don't you take it I'm from glad, there? I'm glad everyone had, had some really great ideas um, on that last question. And um, I, I uh, want to thank everyone for joining us today. I hope that you've you found it to be a, a great networking experience and have uh, hopefully are walking away with some, some ideas um, in your organization. Um, so if, if, any, if there aren't any further comments. Um, again, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you very yeah. much. We appreciate it. Agreed. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you, folks. Thank you, ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bye-bye. Good to meet everybody. Bye-bye. Have a great day.